Hey everyone, I'm Joseph Gatt, and I play the man on Z Nation, and you are listening to the Zcast. Welcome, Survivors of the Apocalypse. You've made it to the Z-Cast. You're home for the zombie apocalypse, and we're glad you made it here safely. I'm Brad, and joining me on this adventure through Z-Nation are... Susan. And Rhiannon. And joining us tonight, we have a rather special guest, the man himself, Joseph Gatt. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. No, thank you for having me on the show. It's a real privilege. Thank you. As long as we're not on your list, I think we're fine. <laughs> no, I kind of want to be on his list, Brad. I kind of want to be on the list. <laughs> you want to take for... to Zona and you, you, you'd like me to take you to Zona where you can chill out by a, a swimming pool in a bikini and drink a martini? I'm there. Let's do it. <laughs> that does sound good. <laughs> we'll pick up season on the way. Okay, cool. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, it does seem like a better option than uh, what the guys are going through on a daily basis. Like most horror movies, I'm sure there's a really dark, scary underside, though. <laughs> well, I guess we'll have to wait till the season four to find out. Yeah, well, Thank God for season mm-hmm. four. It'll be interesting, that's for sure. So how did you get into acting? Oh, my God. Right in with the easy questions. Yep, right in there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let me see. Um, you know, it was kind of weird and completely by accident, um, in a sense. I got alopecia when I was very young, when I was 14 years old, um, which is the condition where all my hair fell out and doesn't regrow. Um, And I had, let's just say, insecurity issues as a kid for that and for many other reasons. And um, I was kind of doing lots of different things at that time as a a kid, apart from the fact that I was hiding from the world. Um, Somebody suggested to me, um, that I should, you know, possibly think about doing acting, you know, to try and get some confidence in who I am. And I was like, okay, I don't know what that is, but let me give it a shot and see what happens. And, um, I did a part-time acting course at the college I was at, um, where I was studying law and economics. And, um, I found that I really enjoyed it and I still didn't really understand what it was, but I, I was having fun. And then my teacher there, who for the life of me, I cannot remember her name. And I wish I could because she was a catalyst. And she actually said to me, you should audition for a full-time drama school. You're, you're good at this. You enjoy it. And I think it'll be you know, really great for you as a person. She helped me work on um, a couple of audition speeches. And um, I auditioned. And... The rest is history. I got into a couple of drama schools and found that I really loved doing this thing. And, um, yeah, and that was it. And the str- it has been a struggle for many, many years. But I-, I love every day I'm on set. I cannot imagine doing anything else. What drew you to uh, audition for Z Nation? Was it the role of the man? Did you hear about that and it was for you? It was, uh, the thing about Z Nation was kind of um, strange. I, when I first heard about it, um, Scotty Mullen, who is the casting director at Asylum, c- 
contacted me when I was out of town. I was actually in, I think I was in Canada at the time and I was working on, um, my God, what was I shooting in Canada? Uh, um, oh, uh, um, second chance with my friend, Rob Kaczynski. And I got a phone call from, um, Scotty saying, Hey, um, we've got this great role, um, coming up in the new season. And, uh, myself and the creator, Carl, uh, Carl Schaefer, and the producers think you would be great for this, and they'd really love you to read for it. Um, and I said, oh, okay, uh, well, send me the information. I'll see what I can do. Um, but I'm pretty busy. I don't know if I'm going to have time to read. And they wanted me to put this thing on tape pretty quickly, um, like within a couple of days, and I had no idea if I was going to have time to actually make this happen. Um, in the end, there just wasn't any time because I was, I, I was working really long hours on, on second chance at the time. And I contacted my manager and I said, look, you know, I, I would love to be able to put this down on tape, but I just don't have time. And the character was really interesting to me. I love the idea of the character. It was a, a really good opportunity to play something that was a little bit different than what I'd done before. Um, and have a bit more of an arc over a whole season um, with a character. And it was with a whole bunch of people that I, I kind of knew. You know, I'd worked on a couple of smaller productions before in smaller roles with Asylum and, you know, for sci-fi. Knew a lot of the crew. Um, and I thought it would be nice to work on this show. I, th I thought it would be a fun gig. Um, so next thing I hear is my manager gets back to me and says, well, now they're just making an offer. Um, you know, if you're still interested in doing it and I said, yeah, let's, let's make it happen. It, it, it's going to be a fun gig. I, I, you know, and, um, I left it to my manager and he sorted everything out. And next thing I knew I was in Spokane, Washington. <laughs> so you said you'd worked with the asylum before. So were you a fan of Z Nation before, or did you have to do one of those things where you had to binge watch to catch up with what was going on? I kind of did a binge watch. I'd watched a couple of episodes earlier on because, um, uh, a friend of mine was actually in the original pilot episode, Harold Perrin. Uh, oh, my God. I can mm -hmm. never remember his last Paranel. Par yeah, mm -hmm. Yes. Har I, and, and I've known Harold for years. Uh, um, and he was I he was in the first episode. So I watched it. I thought, oh, wow, this looks like a really fun show. I mean, that first episode, I remember the pilot was pretty full on. They didn't pull any punches, especially like the zombie baby. <laughs> I mean, that was pretty crazy. That's when I was um, And then a couple... <laughs> yeah. As soon as I saw them kill a zombie baby, I was like, oh, okay. All right. So the rules have changed a little bit. This is going to be fun. Um, and also Nick Leon, who I had worked on a movie with, directed an episode later on in that season. So I watched that episode. So I'd watched a couple of episodes here and there, but never really watched it all the way through. So I kind of did a binge watch thing. I thought I'm going to, I have to know this show before I walk into it and start, you know, talking with the producers and stuff regarding the character and, and the world that this character lives in. Um, so I did binge watch. I got through all of season one and about three quarters of the way through season two before I had to uh, get on a plane up to Spokane. But that gave me a pretty good idea of what I was getting myself into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that first episode that was a that was a big one there too. And Harold going out that early in the season, we were like, okay, he's their mean guy, right? And nope, that didn't happen at all. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I was actually surprised. I didn't know that, um, uh, that he died after one episode. I was really excited because I hadn't spoken to Harold in, in a few months when the thing aired. I was like, oh, Harold's in this. That's cool. All right, I'm going to watch this. And then he died, and the next thing I knew, I was texting him going, Harold, how come you died? What happened? <laughs> you know, I'm like, why did you die so soon? <laughs> it, was, it was like the strangest thing. But, um, but yeah, a lot happened in that episode. And it, the thing about Z Nation that I loved was it was breaking all of the usual rules mm-hmm. um, regarding those kinds of shows. And it's still the thing that I love about Z Nation um, it, it just, even though it's, it's kind of funny, even though people say that it's very tongue in cheek and doesn't take itself quite so seriously, I almost disagree with that uh, almost 180 degrees because I think that people in the Z nation world actually behave more, more like real people would behave in those situations. Amen. Um, as opposed to you know, a certain other popular zombie show, which I enjoy as well for its own reasons. I'm a, you know, I wouldn't say I'm the biggest fan of the other show, uh, but I, you know, a couple of very good friends of mine are play a couple of the major characters in the show or actually one they're now both dead. But um, the thing I don't like about the other show is it takes itself way too seriously. It, there's a lot of, um, people making very bad decisions for yeah. whatever reason, you know, that, that have you screaming at the screen going, <laughs> why are you doing this? This is not a human thing to do. Um, and, and I understand why they're doing that. It's, it's mm-hmm. part of writing. It's part of creating drama. Um, but it gets to a certain point where you just throw your hands in the air and you're like, I just, mm-hmm. I, it makes no sense. Whereas, the world of Z Nation, and Carl explained this to me really well um, and very succinctly. And let me see if I can, uh, uh, um, I'll be paraphrasing, but I think his words were, look, our world is the same as the real world. All these different people are still doing all the different things that they always did. The only difference is we have zombies. We have good people, bad people, um, uh, we have lawyers, we have postmen, mailmen, we have, you know, husbands, wives, children. We have all the usual people that you will meet in everyday life. The only difference is they are now in the zombie apocalypse. But they're still doing the stuff that they would have done. They're just doing it with zombies roaming around. You know, it's not, if you watch Z Nation, it's not just about zombies. It's about the apocalypse in general and how people are behaving in their own little worlds in the zombie apocalypse. And, and it just so happens that every now and then zombies were around and, you know, we're trying to obviously cure the world of this zombie virus. Um, but it's not just about the zombies. There are human beings involved. And that's the part that I enjoy about the show. I can give you a hearty amen on all of that. Yes. <laughs> I agree with you Thank 100%. You. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, we, we totally agree with that. Yeah, definitely. So when you're playing a man, what do you do to get into the headspace for the character? Is there a backstory that you have for him that you've created yourself? Or what, do you, what does it take to become the man? 
Um, well, superficially, the man is pretty easy. Um, but for me personally, as an actor, I have to have some kind of backstory. There has to be a reason behind every single thing that he does. Otherwise, all, all I'm doing is going in, saying my lines and hitting my marks. And I want there to be a little bit more going on with the man. It'll be very easy to just play the man as a one-dimensional bad guy. And I had this conversation with Carl again and, and the other producers before taking the role. And I said, listen, I understand the universe of the show, the world of the show. And taking all that into consideration, I still want the man to be a real person. I want him to be someone who has reasons for doing what he does. Even if those reasons may not be completely apparent and obvious right away or ever, I need to know that I'm doing these things for reasons. Um, and to me, they're the right reasons. And this is why, and, and I created a backstory and that backstory grew as the, the various episodes were written. And, um, you know, some of the time, what was written for the man was taken from the backstory that was created. And there were other times when I had to adapt the backstory for the man according to what was put in the script. Because sometimes there were certain things that were put in the script that made really no sense to the character. And so I had to then go back and change some of the backstory to, to make it make sense. Otherwise, I, I couldn't have, have, have acted some of those scenes. Um, you know, like, for example, uh, I'll throw something out there. The, the whole thing about why I don't kill Addy. Um, right from the very beginning, why I didn't kill um, uh, Kalita right at the very beginning when I had the opportunity. Why I don't kill Addy when I'm fighting her all the way through, you know, the episode, The Duel, um, which just aired. There has to be a legitimate reason for me doing that because the reason my the person who my character is with the skills that I possess, I could quite easily kill her um, and had many opportunities to do so. And the reason I don't, I had to believe those reasons. I had to know those reasons made sense. And I'm glad I did that because even though those reasons didn't make sense to the fans initially, to the viewers, now people are starting to figure it out and, and, understand why the man didn't kill these people, didn't, hasn't killed Addy or doesn't just kill people indiscriminately. Um, he has a job to do and he's a very intelligent person about the way he goes about doing his job. And he understands that by killing Addy, certain negative things are going to be compromised. The one it's going to compromise his relationship with Lucy and he needs to have trust from Lucy. It's very important to him for her to cooperate with him um, and on top of that, I think as we've, as we've seen, he's starting to kind of care about her and there are many reasons for that and they haven't been revealed yet in the story so far that between myself, um, uh, Jody Binstock and, um, Stephen and Carl and et cetera, we created real reasons why the man would really care about Lucy, especially as she reaches a certain age as she starts to reach t her teenage years and, and it starts to remind him of things, mm -hmm. things that possibly happened with him before the apocalypse. 
the kind of person he was before he started doing the job he's doing, the reasons why he's doing what he's doing. He's not doing what he's doing because he's a murdering psychopath. He's doing what he's doing for very specific reasons. Mm -hmm. And they may or may not be the same reasons why Addie is doing what she's doing. Um, The only difference is we know Addie's backstory because we've had three seasons to hear that. We don't know the man's backstory. Um, So I'm just trying to throw that all out there. And if anything, it's working pretty well because I think I'm confusing quite a few people about the man and, and his reasoning behind doing what he's doing. Well, it did come out there, and we were able to see that he had every opportunity in the world to take out Addy if he wanted to. But also, you knew if he did that, that Lucy wasn't going to be very happy with that. So we knew he was holding back. So there's this whole, like you said, there's other things happening that I just can't wait to see more on that backstory. Yeah, we definitely picked it up as an audience, which was is really cool that we're all on the same page. We're reading it right. Yay. Yeah, yeah that's good yeah, to hear. That's awesome. It's good. Yeah, because it's like a game. It's it's almost like a game he's playing. You know, uh, he he respects Addy, and I think he respects, um, you know, Kalida and, and the rest of the group. He understands what they're trying to do and and who they are and understands that they're not necessarily too much different from him. The only difference is he believes, rightly or wrongly, that in his mind, he's more capable of fulfilling what needs to be done, you know, which is taking Lucy, taking her back to Zona, protecting Lucy because he cares about her. He doesn't want her turned into some kind of experiment, um, but protecting her, taking her back to Zona and finding a cure for this thing. You know, whether or not the people on Zona who are employing him to do this are well-meaning or not, he believes, or at least is trying to believe, that they are. Um, Because that's all he has to hold on to right now. Um, And taking Lucy back to Zona means safety for her, safety for him, a possible cure for this virus. Um... And who knows, maybe less people suffering in the same way that maybe possibly people that he loved suffered in the past. Cool. And Addie's getting in the way. (laughs) Stay away from my girl. (laughs) All he wants to do is save the world also. I would, you know, the man would, I'm sure the man would love it if he never saw Addie again. But she's like a fly in the ointment and she won't give up. And I'm like. Darling, I keep telling you, walk away, give up, let me handle this, but you keep coming back for more. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> What's funny is you guys are all, you all want to do the same thing, but coming at it from different ways, you know, want to save the world with Lucy. But Yeah, it's kind of ironic. We had that conversation on set. We were sitting around we're like, you know what? If all of these people actually, I remember having this conversation specifically with Kalida and we said, you know what? If everyone just sat down and had a conversation, yeah. <laughs> this, this whole apocalypse would be over in five minutes because we'd all realize that we all want the same thing and we're all trying to do the same thing. But it's, it's, it's just that doesn't happen because everyone's on their own kind of path and Sometimes, you know, connections are made. 
uh, um, kind of like with Emilio's character, how he, he did the turn. He saw, you know, the error of his ways and, and joined with the gang, with the group, because he realized actually what he really wanted was the same thing. Um, who knows whether that'll happen with the man or not. We have no idea. Season four is a mystery, at least to most of us. Um, but it's, it's kind of ironic how, yeah, if everybody kind of sat down together and had a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and ate some cookies, we'd all be like, oh, okay, yeah, we all want to cure the virus and, and protect everyone and, and save the world. Okay, cool. So how do we do that all together? You know, mm-hmm. and that would be the end of the series, and that would be <laughs> the end of every zombie okay. show and post-apocalyptic <laughs> show on the planet. So obviously, that cannot happen too soon. All right, so. <laughs> I think it's realistic to have them not talk to each other there because people are messy. Life is messy, so it kind of makes sense. You know, everybody thinks they're right. Well, exactly. I mean, it's it's happening in the real world right now. You yeah. know, with politics, you have a lot of people who generally want the same thing. But they're going about trying to get the same thing in very, very diversely different ways mm-hmm. um, and some possibly very damaging ways. But they, ne- they don't necessarily want anything different. They just they have a very different ideology about how to go about achieving the same thing. Um, it, it, so it's very much similar to the real world. And that's why it's very clever and also very frustrating. You know, because you sit there and you can see these different groups of people, these different factions, and you know that if they sat down and had a conversation, everything will be sorted out. And it's so frustrating. It puts you on the edge of your seat and you're like, oh, my God, if the man would just sit down and have a conversation with, with you know, with Addy, if they stopped beating the hell out of each other and just sat down and had a chat and said, wait a minute, what do you, you, you want to get a vi- you want to cure the virus as well. And you want to protect Lucy because you care about her. Wait a minute. So do I, um, why don't we just join forces and do this together? You know, but they're so headstrong and she's on her mission and her path and he's on his mission and his path. And at the moment it's never the twain shall meet. And it's, it's, frustrating but really fun television (laughs) yes it is we're loving it every single week that it comes out and Mm -hmm. you know with this last episode coming up for the season finale we just can't wait until see what happens and we're stuck for another season waiting until it comes back on in september (laughs) well the season finale is going to be um pretty incredible i i I have to (laughs) When I read it, I was like, oh, my goodness, this is going to be nuts. Um, like the, uh, Abram Cox, who wrote it and, and uh, uh, directed it, is it, like took it to a whole new level. And shooting this episode, the finale, well, shooting every, every episode has been a huge amount of fun um, for various different reasons. But this finale episode, you'll see the man in a way that you've, probably not seen him yet. Um, you'll see a lot of characters in certain ways that you probably haven't seen them yet. And um, a lot happens. It's almost like another two-hour movie, but everything's squished into the one hour. Um, I, I, I don't know how they squished everything into one hour because it, it could quite easily have filled two hours. Or, you know, if it was certain other shows, it could fill a whole season, what we put into the just the finale <laughs> itself. 
I'm high fiving so, you from over yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. So so much happens. It's it's going to be a roller coaster of a finale. I, I'm I'm super excited. I've only seen small clips of it when I went in to do ADR at the studio, and um, I was watching it, and I was just. Um, I mean, I contacted Abram right after I did ADR. I'm like, how it, this thing looks incredible, Abram. It just looks amazing. We, I mean, for a start, we did, and obviously I'm not going to give any plot points away, but we did um, the very last scene that we shot of the whole season was at the end of a very, very long day. And it was a very difficult scene involving stunts, fighting it was an action sequence and we shot the thing in from start to finish in about an hour and 20 minutes maybe and it was a tough scene to shoot and it was in pitch black indoors um on location cold i, I, I mean a lot was going on in this scene and um when we finished shooting that and we wrapped, I, I was just, I don't know how this is going to look. This is going to be, we needed more time to shoot this. I, I mean, I've worked, uh, I've worked on a lot of different types of productions, different kinds of budgets and stuff. On a studio feature, this sequence that we shot in an hour and a half would probably have taken a week to shoot on a studio feature, oh. probably longer. Um, you know, if you when you add in rehearsals, fights, stunt rehearsals and stuff, it's the, a lot of time would have gone into this very, very short sequence. When I saw playback when we did the ADR for it, I was shocked. I immediately texted Alex Yellen, who is the DP, um, and I texted Abram, the director, and I'm like, I don't know what, you, what magic you guys did, but this looks like we, we spent two weeks shooting it. Um they are creating magic with the time that we have to shoot this thing and with the budget constraints. And that is a compliment to every single person that works on that show. It is one of the most family oriented shows I've ever worked on. Everyone is so passionate. Everyone is so supportive. Everyone works unbelievably hard because everyone cares. And and it shows on screen. I mean, you would never believe, you know, I, I'm not going to openly talk numbers and stuff, but when you think about the budget for this show and compare it to something else that has maybe five times the budget or six times the budget, you put them side by side, scene by scene, and there really isn't a huge amount of difference quality-wise, um, especially in certain sequences. And that comes down to the hard work of everybody involved, whether it be camera, the, you know, wardrobe, the special effects people, um, the producers, the actors, everybody um, just works incredibly hard. And it was so wonderful being on a set surrounded by a whole bunch of people that love to say, yes, we can make that happen. I, I mean, I barely ever heard anyone say, nope, that's impossible. Nope, that's impossible. Or if they did, they immediately turned around and said, but we can do this, we'll be, which will be just as good. And I was like, wow, this is 
a great, great crew and a great team to be working with. So kudos to every single person on that show who, who makes this happen. It's extremely hard work and the results are spectacular considering the resources. So that's definitely something that needs to be said out loud about everybody on the show. Yeah, we would have to agree with you on that. It looks great every week, and we've talked to some of the other people that work on the show and behind the scenes, and the amount of work that goes into bringing the the effects and everything else on the screen. Like this last episode of Duel, it was amazing, and you saw that with the makeup department on you know how Addy looked all beat down and everything, and just everything. It was just excellent. Well, everything about that um... – when we got the, the script for Duel, I immediately went to Jen, the writer, director. I'm like, I, I, I don't know how we're going to shoot this in, in five days. It's, it's impossible, Jen. I'm like, I, I just don't. We have two huge fights, and then we have all the other stuff. It just is nuts. And as it turns out, the river fight sequence was actually filmed while we were shooting the finale episode. Um. It was booked during a day when myself and Addy were not filming on the finale episode. They actually drove us from um, Whitby Island um, all the way back to a place called Index um, Inland, which is about a two-hour drive, two, two-and-a-half-hour drive to this beautiful location um, where we shot the the fight sequence and then drove all the way back to where we stay, where we were staying on Whidbey Island. And, um, it was a really tough day, a really long day. We pre choreographed the fight. I, well, I, I had worked with, um, Keith, uh, Keith Cox and Alex Terzieff, who are the stunt coordinators on the show and with, uh, Marcia, who, um, doubled Addy, um, doubled Anastasia. Um, and we worked, for quite a long time uh, on the fight sequence before we actually got to the location. And um, luckily, Muscle was able to do quite a bit and we're able to film quite a bit of the fight with Massa. And then we pulled in Anastasia to do some insert shots and, and stuff. Um, she, we went through most of the fight. We spent like a whole day doing it. Um, and it was tiring as hell, but... It's, uh, um, again, another uh, uh, um, big thanks to the, just how passionate everyone is that could actually get this, get this done. Because otherwise, at one point, we were thinking we were never going to get this fight. And we may have to rewrite that sequence and do something much easier and much quicker that we can knock off very, you know, closer to where we were originally located. But then we're like, no, let's let's make this happen. Everyone really wanted to make it happen, and we, you know, it was scheduled in, and we we did it, and it was it, it turned out incredibly well. I mean, I'm really pleased at how well this thing turned out, and it's all due to everybody's hard work. But that was a tough episode. Like it was, uh, it was about six weeks worth of filming that we did in seven days. So. Um, and I'm really, really happy with how it came off. It's one. It's probably my favorite episode so far. Well, you got to be in it a lot, and we enjoyed it. It was great. Yeah. And you know, because yeah, I got of... to show a lot of aspects. I got to show a lot of uh, a lot of aspects of the man that I hadn't shown before. 
there were there were a lot more kind of nice, I guess, intimate moments where I, I think somebody I read a review that briefly kind of nailed it on the head. See, when I'm when I'm being quote unquote the man, um, he's very stoic, very almost Terminator like in his in 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 how he conducts himself. There's not too much emotion going on there, but in the sequences where he's with Lucy, that's when we see him not being the Terminator, but being <laughs> a human being that's very confused, trying to figure out how to deal with this child that is changing age every like 10 pages. And that I want to tell you, that, can I say something real yeah. quick? Okay. The Go look of it. sheer terror on your face when she became a teenager was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, I, it was so great. It was the best. I was like, oh, he's human. He's horrified by having a teenage girl on his hands. He's a smart man. Yeah. No, I mean, I love that. That was, it, that was some of my favorite stuff to do were, were, was everything. I, I was so... I was so lucky, and I think I just did a, like a social media post about it. I felt so lucky that I got to work with all of these amazing girls that played Lucy. Um, you know, right, all of my, let me see, is it all of my favorite scenes? Pretty much all of my favorite scenes are with the Lucys um, during the whole season. Apart from that one scene right at the very beginning with Kalita in the... Um, when I kidnap her and she's in the box and we have that little moment together um, where I'm telling her, well, now we're going to find out how much your friends love you. You know, when I've taken her as a hostage, I, I loved shooting that. And that was one of the first things I think it was actually the second shot that we filmed of the whole season. And it was a lot of fun to shoot that. She's Kalita's wonderful to work with. Um, but um, mostly the work with the girls with, with the Lucy's was so much fun because as an actor, the thing about working with younger actors, especially kids, is a lot of the time they're just so honest. There's just an honesty about them and, and you have no choice but to be honest in return. And they're, they're very playful and very honest and very outspoken. And it allows you to just respond and just be an actor. And it's great. And, and you can just play around with stuff like the moment where, um, uh, was it B, I think, is it B or Caitlin who jumps on my back when she shouts out she wants chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. I think it's it Caitlin. Caitlin. It's the teenager. It was Caitlin, yes. <laughs> Caitlin. And um, she gets out of the car and I'm like, oh, God, all right, Jesus. All right, what do you want? What do you want? Blah, blah, blah. I want chocolate. And I was like, oh. And it was very weird at the end there. And I, I kind of suggested, I said, Caitlin, just play around with this. Just like, how about, what would you do? Like, you've just got your way. You know, how about just do something silly, like just jump on my back. And she's like, oh, oh, okay. Well, should we plan? I said, no, no, let's not plan it. Just do it. When the camera's rolling, just do something. Just whatever. And then she did the thing where she leapt on my back. Mm-hmm. And so that whole thing was very kind of organic. It wasn't really planned. And it was funny to mo- for me to watch because I'm sitting there going, oh, Jesus. All right. All right, let's go. Oh, God, I got to deal with this kind of thing. And you can <laughs> see that pain on my face kind of like, 
what am I going to do? One minute I'm fighting off Eddie, next minute I'm dealing with a teenage girl. Oh God, could it be any worse? <laughs> and, um, but it was just so much fun to do that. You know, they were happy to play and just go with the flow and stuff. And it was really cool. And then in the finale episode, I get to work with um, Kelly Washington, who was also fantastic. And we have a couple of really nice, Actually, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to give anything too much away. But there's some nice moments with us. And it really makes you sit back and go, oh, God, you know, maybe she would be better off just being with the man. Because the man's going to protect her and look after her. She's going to be safe. But, you know, it's kind of funny because being <laughs> as an actor, I love the whole point of, of, of it is seeing how the audience viewers react to what you're doing in the character. And I love seeing that, especially when people argue about who the character is and, and what the character is trying to do. And there was a lot of that going on. Like, like you guys last week were arguing about whether it was a good thing or a bad thing that Addie, you know, leave the girl in the middle of the woods with zombies and, just yes. a gun and, and you guys were arguing about that. I know Brad was like thinking along the same lines as what I would have been feeling. Like, I can't believe you just left that poor girl in the middle of nowhere. Awesome. See, I, I have backup now. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I'm I, like, I will defend Addie. I will defend her. And I will say she was just lucky. <laughs> but, that's, but that's it. That's, that's how wonderful this whole thing is. You know, it's just like everyone can have their opinions, whether or not you love Addie or hate Addie or uh, understand what she's doing, why she's doing it, blah, blah, blah. Like for me as a human being, I'm sitting here going, and this is how I had to justify things that the man does. You know, if I was, you know, I wasn't partake to any conversations that, for example, the other actors are having with people in scenes that I'm not in, but I'm looking at that scene and I'm thinking, and when I read it in the script, I, I went to Jen and I was like, that's really harsh. She's leaving this poor kid in the middle of nowhere, Jen. You know, and they're like, "Yeah, but she does give her the gun." Like she's a child. Yeah, she's a child, <laughs> and there are zombies everywhere. You know, and and yes, okay. So Anastasia has, uh, sorry, Addie has. You know, she's on a mission and she has to save the world. But in the process of doing that, you're going to leave a six-year-old child standing in the middle of the woods in a zombie apocalypse. Um, That's what I said. It's kind of like a weird. Yeah, and it's kind of, like, but again. You know, people have those same arguments back and forth about the man, about why he's doing certain things. Why did he wear flip-flops? Why did he? Why does he not wear flip-flops? What's he trying to say? You know, what is his is motivation he for doing what he's doing? Is he human? This is a new one that's going around. He's not really yes. human. Or he's part android and stuff. Not Terminator. Yeah. Uh, he's a Terminator. I, I, well, you know, I have a fake hand now. Yeah. I don't know if that makes me the Terminator, but I have a fake hand. <laughs> Well, at least that but much, Terminator. <laughs> I am, as far as I know, as far as I'm aware, the man is a man. He's a human being, but he's a human being with a mission. Yeah, he's a human being that is very well trained in doing certain things. You know, he has a certain set of skills and is very good at using those skills. And when he's using those skills, he cannot be emotional about it because it would get in the way of him being able to do what he needs to do. Um, and that's why the emotion is saved for other things, like being you, with teenage I, girls. 
can I, I wanted to, it was really interesting because I was on Tumblr because I take care of the, the, the Tumblr thing for us. And yeah. um, one of your fans, I have to give a message from Beast Callisto. She said um, she was, she's seen you in a lot of roles and you're usually under prosthetics. And then it's really nice to see your face in Z Nation. Because usually you, well, you, ha- you play a lot of aliens, you know? So it- I have done, yeah, I have done in the past and, and um, sending all my love back. Um, it's, I, I did play um, a few roles where I wore a lot of prosthetics and I'm trying to get away from that a bit now. Um, but it's, it, you know, it's pleasant for me to see myself without, you know, monster makeup and stuff. And that was part of the reason why I accepted the role as well. Well, you know, I wanted to make sure that it was just me to the point where I actually said to Carl when we had the discussion about the look of the character, shouldn't I have some scars, just something just to make it look like I'm a little bit beaten up? And he was like, no, absolutely not. I want you clean. I want you like the Terminator. I want you just completely clean, like nothing bothers you. Nothing phases you. You've never had any issues You've never had to deal with anyone that's given you any problems. You know, you are that good at what you do, but you don't even have a bruise or a scar. I'm like, oh, okay. This is new. I like this. <laughs> now, uh, we have another question from a listener, uh, Eric. He was a Z Nation editor from season one. He said to uh, ask you to say hello to everybody. And he also want, wanted to know, uh, what's your favorite line of dialogue that you were given this season? And I, I suspect it's one of the <laughs> lines with Lucy, right? <laughs> you know what? I, I kind of have two. Um, one of them is from the first episode, and it's released the Kraken. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's probably one of the best <laughs> lines ever given to anybody. And when I read that, I immediately went to Abram and thanked him. I said, thank you so much for letting me have that line. And I love the way it was incorporated into the sequence because all this crazy stuff is going on. You know, we're attacking the compound, uh, mostly laboratories. And I'm just casually kind of release the Kraken, you know, just like matter of fact. And then this crazy thing is released from the back of the truck. I absolutely love that line. And then I guess the other line was, um, oh, my God, now she's a teenager. You know, it, it just, it makes me laugh. <laughs> it was it, so it funny. made me laugh out loud. And I normally am not impressed by anything that I do. I don't laugh at anything I do. I just, I'm one of those actors. I'm very, I'm so hypercritical of myself. So the fact that I said a line that actually makes me laugh, it was incredibly funny. And I'm trying to remember if that was even, if it was improvised at the time. I think it was like a thrown away improvised line that was kept in that, you know, she was doing her thing and she sits next to me all silent. I look at her and I'm like, Oh God, now I've got a teenager, (laughs) you know? And it just, it was so funny at the time. It just, we were laughing our asses off to be honest. You know, can I say that we were, we were, we were laughing a lot when we were shooting that sequence because the look on Caitlin's face, when she jumps into the front seat and gives me that soppy look, (laughs) <laughs> you know, that stroppy kind of teenage look. And she's looking at me like, I'm not happy and I want something. And I'm looking at her like, oh, God. <laughs> and she's got way worse kind of thing. Yeah. So they're probably my two favorite lines. Well, it was a very humanizing moment. 
<laughs> it was just a very humanizing it, moment with him. It would be very difficult not to be humanized when faced with such evil <laughs> as a teenage girl. <laughs> teenage evil. <laughs> very much so. The teenage evil. Brad, you've got daughters. Yeah. <laughs> yep, I got, I got two daughters. One of them's a teenager right now. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Yeah. No, the only thing I had a problem with, like, I loved all of that stuff. And um, I'm getting some really great feedback from the viewers, from the fans and stuff about how how the man is dealing with this situation, you know, being forced to be a parent. Um, almost. There, w- there was one issue I had a lot of problems with the tasing of of the younger Lucy that was played by Madeline Grace, I think, was the, the first Lucy. And when I first read that in the script, I immediately went to, and I think uh, um, Alex Yellen directed that episode. I was like, I, I cannot do this, Alex. You have me tasing a child. Like, it doesn't matter how cruel or nasty or what kind of bad guy I am, I cannot tase a child. I mean, that's just going to be, that's so far past the realms of decent, you know, I mean, have me kill people, but tasing a child. Um, <laughs> and yet there so many are certain people things. Would love <laughs> well, yeah, it's kind of weird. It's like, you know, I, I'm very, I kind of feel very responsible as an actor because um, I, I truly believe that what we do and the roles we portray make a difference in a certain respect because people look at characters, people look at shows and you know, they, I don't know how to say it, but it's just, it does influence people and how people behave. Right. People like to follow, people like to follow in the footsteps of their heroes or, or villains or whatever, you know, and you have to be as an actor cognizant of that. And, there are certain things that I just am not happy doing unless there is a very, very specific reason and it will not work without it. Like I'm not interested in rape. I am not interested in portraying a character that rapes someone. Thank you. Um, There there has to be an extremely good reason for a rape to be in a television show or a movie. Um, If it's just put in just for the sake of drama, I'm not having anything to do with it. Um, There has to be a very, and I've seen, there've been a lot of rapes in a lot of shows and very few of those, probably 1% of those were actually necessary. Um, A lot of them were like divisive things to maybe forward a story, but weren't really necessary, or at least we didn't need to see them. Um, So that's something that's a definite no-no with me. The other thing with me is, Violence against women and violence against children. Um, There is, for me to portray a character that has violent tendencies or causes violence against women or children, and ironically, here I am playing a character that's been written as doing both of these things. And it it took a lot for me to, like a lot of discussions with the producers and with the writers, about how to make this stuff viable. So it didn't look like I was being the misogynistic um, woman beater or the, you know, horrible child beater or whatever. 
and there had to be a reason. So there was a lot of discussion with everybody about this whole thing with tasing Madeline, the young Lucy. And um, in the end, the way it was justified to me was that it was going to be a very funny sequence and that she was going to be laughing and finding it very funny. And the whole thing was going to be very comedic in the way it went down. Um, and that's the only way that I was able to get myself to do, do that. Um, I, so I was very, I found that whole thing very, very difficult. And it's kind of similar to the whole episode, the duel, um, with the way I'm beating on Addy. The only way that worked was two things. One, that she was giving almost as good as she got. And she basically initiated most of it. Like she attacked me on both occasions um, and initiated the fight on both occasions. Um, well, I guess the fight in the yacht yard, she didn't really initiate, but it should have been over very quickly. But then she kind of like fooled me, hit me around the back of the legs with the Z-whacker. <laughs> and then what am I supposed to do? But I end up having to defend myself. Um, but like he the second time around by the river. I showed restraint, you know, yeah. I could have been a lot harsher with her. Um, I could have killed her on both occasions. It was about just quelling or quashing the, um, the attack rather than killing her and, and, and moving forward. And, and, and my, and it, all it did was cause me more problems in the end, but you know, that's the kind of man that this man is. He's not going to kill someone indiscriminately. But there had to be a reasoning behind it. And that takes us right back to like the very beginning of, of our conversation, where for me, even in this crazy world that is Z Nation and these crazy characters, I need to have a good reason for being who I am and doing what I do. Um, because Can I tell you? I, I ultimately, yes. As a viewer, to assure you, and also as a child abuse survivor, the scene where he tases Lucy, I read that as a one, he needed a moment after kidnapping her. And two, I felt like seeing the progression from that moment where he tases her to where he's trying to find her the chocolate. It seemed like he went from you're my mission and I'm not really considering you to be human right now. You're a parcel to I'm starting to develop fatherly feelings towards you. I'm starting to actually care about you. So I saw that as really, actually as a mini arc. And I really, I actually grew to like him more because we saw him not really treating her like a human being. He treated her more like a, a parcel. And then we see him develop where it looks like he's actually starting to really care about her. So that's how it came across to me. So if that makes you feel any better. It does. It makes me feel great. And that's perfect because it's exactly how we were trying to play the whole thing. Um, that the arc is that she goes initially from being, like you say, a name on the list the parcel, a package, something to be delivered. Um, not even human per se, because she is a blend. She, you know, he thinks of her as a zombie, um, as a creature, something to, you know, not human. And then this relationship develops. He sees her and sees her growing, even though it's absolutely screwed up at the rate she's growing and stuff. And she's still blue, but still she's a girl. She's a young girl and she has feelings and and he's realizing that and he's getting feelings for her and 
whether those feelings are to do with him feeling paternal towards her, him caring about her, or because he has memories of his own daughter or his own life pre-zombie apocalypse. Um, we haven't found out yet, but we do know that he's caring about her. And I love that that's coming across. That makes me as an actor feel incredibly good. And I think that the writer should feel proud about that as well, because it's a very difficult thing to do when an actor joins a cast of people and there is such a love for that cast. As everyone knows, you know, everybody loves Addie. Everyone loves all of these different characters. You've fallen in love with them for three seasons for various reasons. Um, and then suddenly the man shows up and starts beating on everyone. Um, and you're like, we hate him. He's horrible. He's the bad guy. And then you start seeing an arc and you start finding out a little bit about who this character is and why he's doing possibly what he's doing. And I love that. That to me is what my job is all about. And that's where the fun comes in, turning people's initial perceptions upside down and making people think differently about characters and people and stuff. So um, I love that. Thank you for telling me that. That makes me feel great. Right. And I think we're all in agreement there. The man has changed our perspective over the season from the first time we saw him wearing the flip-flops, just doing his thing and unleashing the Kraken, to the, the last scene that he had with Lucy. I mean, you see a clear progression of the character. Yeah. Yeah. And like I say, it's it's I, I've been lucky. I've had some great people to work with, um, especially the girls you know, um, playing Lucy. Um, so it's, it's been easy. And, and also the, the, the producers and writers and directors have been very open to conversation, discussion, ideas. It's a very, um, uh, uh, oh my God, what's the word? It slipped my tongue. Begins collaborative. Collaborative. That's the word. It's a very collaborative family, a very collaborative team. And, and it, it, which makes it so much more fun to work on. You know, they're not saying, no, this is the way the character has to be. I want you to say your line and hit your mark. There's none of that stuff happening. It's very collaborative. There's a lot of discussion and everyone wants everyone to be happy to be able to get the best thing that they can on that screen. And, um, which makes it one of my, you know, one of the favorite things that I've, I've had to work on. And I'm, you know, having a great time. And we're loving seeing you in it. So moving away from Z Nation here for a little bit, you're a big guy. What is your workout schedule like? <laughs> um, probably a little obsessive. Um, That's not bad. My, <laughs> well, you know, I've been working out for a long time and I pretty much work out every day. I take the odd day off here and there, but I pretty much work out every day for about two hours a day, even when I'm on set and filming. It's one of the hardest things about being an actor, which is traveling um, on a show. And I tend to work on a lot of shows that shoot outside of L.A. So I'm constantly searching for gyms all over the country or all over the world, depending on what I'm filming, because I have to have access to a gym. I don't feel like it's, it's weird. I don't feel like a whole person if I don't get into a gym. Um, it's my church. It's where I do my form of meditation. It's where I rediscover who I am at the end of a day, whether it be a great day or a bad day. Um, and it's what gives me a certain confidence when I stand in front of the camera. 
Um, and it's also, you know, benefited me regarding my roles. I've always been a physical person. I've always been very athletic ever since I was a kid. Um, and most of the roles that I have done have, have come from my athleticism, my physicality. And I love that because it gives me opportunities to do stuff I may never have been able to do. Um, whether it be do most of my own fight stuff, you know, a lot of action sequences, learn how to ride horses for shows. You know, it's, it's been a great benefit to me, but it's also a difficult thing as well. Cause you know, after filming, everybody wants to go out and eat or go to a bar and get drunk or, um, you know, go to bed and here's Joe going, ah, sorry guys, you know, I'm going to have to see you guys tomorrow. I need to go to the gym. You're like, wait a minute, we've been on set for 14 hours. You're going to go to the gym? Yeah, I kind of have to, sorry. So there's always that as well. So it's a little antisocial, um, but the benefits far outweigh the uh, the um, downsides. I totally get where you're coming from on that. Like when you emailed me earlier, I was like, I'm on the way home from the gym. So <laughs> had to get that over with for yeah, today. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I did the gym this morning. I'll probably go again for short workout this evening after hanging out with the guys. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's part of my life, you know, and, and I don't know, you probably understand that as well. People right. who work out a lot, it, it almost becomes, um, part of your life, like just waking up in the morning, breathing, having breakfast, going to the gym. It's not something you even really think about. It's just part of your daily routine that you make happen. Yeah, and, and um, if you miss it, you feel bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's and that that can be a bad thing, almost, because I know that I feel that way, and and, and I don't know. You, I'm sure you probably do because you mentioned it. It's a case of, and it can be a bit of a downer because if for some reason you cannot get to a gym, like I remember when I was working in Budapest on Strike Back. It's a very difficult, I mean, it's a beautiful city, but they have one good gym in the whole city. And it was miles. It was on the southern side of the river. It was miles from the hotel. And it was a real pain to get to. And we were shooting really long hours on that show. It was a tough shoot. And I really wanted to get to this gym, but I could barely, like in the, I think in the two and a half weeks we were out there, I was able to get to the gym maybe four times. And that drove me insane absolutely drove me insane. Um, but unfortunately there are no options in certain situations. Um, you know, you have to kind of make do with it and, and do whatever you can watch your diet a little bit more than you might do. Usually, um, do a whole ton of push-ups um, and, and other stuff that you can do in your hotel room or whatever, go for runs. Although I wouldn't recommend going for runs in Budapest because you'll probably get lung cancer uh, because I think every single person in Budapest smokes. Um, it's not the cleanest air in, of, of a city that I've been to. Beautiful, no doubt, but definitely not the cleanest air. But anyway, yeah, so it can be a little bit hard work sometimes being that committed to needing to get to a gym. But again, it's like you, you, you find ways to deal with things. You find ways, you find a gym. It's even if you have to travel for an hour to get to one. I remember when we were up in Washington state, 
one of the locations we were at, the nearest gym was a 40-minute drive away. And that's what I was doing every night when we were shooting at that location because there was no way I could physically do the work I was doing and not be going to a gym. And I was doing that, paying my $20 every time for a single, you know, um, visit and stuff and, and just getting it done because it had to get done. But, you know, it's, but it's part of my life and I love it and I wouldn't have it any other way. Right. Unless I was Dwayne Johnson. And then I could pay to have a trailer with a gym <laughs> next to me on set the whole time. Now that would Life be nice. You know, yeah. or, or arrange, or yeah, or arrange my schedule like he did. You know, like he does. Arrange the whole shooting schedule around him being able to get to the gym when he needs to get to the gym. That is like the ultimate. That's like that's like yeah. the next step. Yeah. Maybe that's, that's life goals. What, what, yeah, exactly. Season four on Z Nation will be that. You know, Joe will have his own trailer. <laughs> well, what they could do is just have the man working out, and then you could work out, and they could film you. There you go. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised that they haven't done that yet. I mean, they had me they had me stripping off and changing into my uh, tactical gear in 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 the first episode. I'm surprised they didn't have me doing like pull-ups or something in the trailer. <laughs> some crazy stuff. Oh, I gotta send that yeah, to Craig and Carl account. now. Yeah, dear Carl, yeah. please have the dear man. Carl, can we have the man in working pants and shirtless working out, please? We all approve of this. <laughs> <laughs> my mother, yeah, my mother was. Good, I'm sure. My mom's 79 and she watches Z Nation. I got her into it. And uh, she, there's that. There is this one scene in the fight where my mom turns to me. She says, "His arms. His arms are so huge." <laughs> <laughs> She's like, "He could crush her." <laughs> oh, bless poor Addie. <laughs> what are we going to do about poor Addie? Oh, she's got to learn to pick her fights, really, doesn't she? <laughs> she's a redhead. They're unstoppable. This is true. This is true. <laughs> it's nothing like a bit of passion. <laughs> so do you have any other projects coming up? Uh, not right now. There are a few carrots that are dangling. Um, a couple of really good things. Actually, I was supposed to be shooting on a pilot right now, um, which got pushed at the last minute to January. Um so I have some time off, which is fantastic. I actually get to enjoy Christmas and the holidays, um, which is really great. That doesn't happen very often. Um, so I'm just loving every second of, of being um, a resting actor, as they like to call it. Um, but there are hopefully some really nice things happening in the new year. And we're obviously yet to find out what's happening regarding Z Nation, because, you know, as the title suggests, Everyone dies in the end. So we have no idea who will or will not arrive back, you know, in Z Nation land for um, season four. Yeah, thank uh, you I for making my anxiety worse. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> hey, you know, it's just one of those things. I guess it depends which actors buy the most cupcakes for Carl. And, you know, <laughs> That's the secret. Making cupcakes on behalf of everybody. Cupcakes. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. So, now, how can people we'll see what happens? How can people find you on social media once they find out what happened? <laughs> oh, I, I'm uh, really easy to find actually on uh, Twitter. I'm under Meet Joe Gat, or if you just type in my name, Joseph Gat, I think I come up pretty much right away. I have the little Q 
cute blue check mark. And um, on Instagram and Facebook, uh, Joseph Gad official. And it's blue check mark. So, you know, it's definitely me and not a fraud. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty easy to find. Follow me. And as I've been posting, if I get enough followers by the time the uh, finale airs, I will post a nice little music video that I made whilst we were shooting on set of Duel, which is kind of hilarious and was fun to do. Uh, <laughs> All right. So there you then. go. That's a challenge to everybody. So there you go, everybody. Go out there and make sure you follow them. We'll yeah, have... and you can learn about all my other hobbies. You know, if if anyone out there is into cars, I'm a massive car geek. I was going to bring that one up, stuff. but <laughs> what was that? I was going to bring your car honey. up, but we, since we've been running along, I was just going to let that one go. But I love your car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm a I'm a massive car geek. Uh, yeah, I apologize for this. I can talk and talk and talk. So you might have to cut the hell out of this thing. Oh no, um, we'll let it go. That I'm a massive my my um, social media basically is all about uh, my work, uh, going to the gym, health and fitness, my car, and my animals. Um, anything to do with animals, especially my two cats and my snake. You have a and snake. That's not meant. I have a snake. Yes. What and, kind? Um, he's he's he, it's a bull python, and his name is Snake Sully. Oh. You know. Yes, named after Jake Sully, you know, from Avatar, Snake Sully. And he's very, um, uh, um, he loves people. He loves coming out of his um, house and hanging out with people. He loves giving kisses. Um, he plays with our cats. You know, he's um, an amazing creature, loving to bits, and uh, incredibly cute. And we've got a corn cats. Oh, you've got a corn snake. Oh, they're yeah. kind of cute as well. Oh, he's yeah. adorable. He's, he watches me when I cook. That's his thing. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. He just, he's completely fascinated by me cooking. He'll prop, him, he'll prop his head up on one of his coils and just watch me like, so what are you doing now? It's very cute. Does he just what does he does he just sit by the the, the stove and watch you cooking? He has his, uh, terrar- his uh, habitat is, is um, close to the kitchen. So he, okay. so what he'll do is he can see over the island. So he will he'll yeah. get out on top of his, his sunbathing rock and he will put one coil up and then he'll rest his head on it and he'll just watch me. I'll send you a picture oh, of him. Oh, that's hilarious. He's yes, very cute. please do. I find that hilarious. Yeah, Oz does that as well. Snake Sully does that a lot. It, it's, it's kind of unnerving sometimes because you'll just be chilling out, doing whatever, like Mercy, uh, my partner, she'll be doing yoga or something like that. And then we'll look over and Snake Sully will just suddenly, he's, we'll see him and he'll be coiled up like that with his head just staring, yeah. looking out. <laughs> and we're like, oh, oh, hey, how's it going, fella? And he's just staring at you, just, you know. And uh, yeah, they're kind of hilarious. They're cute. Well, Joe, we want to thank you so much for coming out and talking with us tonight. And- All right. Thank you so much. You take care, guys. Okay. That was an amazing, awesome interview, I just have to say. Yeah, I hope we get to talk to him again next season because, you know, it was amazing. It was a lot of fun. We actually had more questions. He, he likes to talk, which we're fine with. Those oh, are yeah, we don't have a problem with that. Because a lot of times they tell us stuff that we never would have thought of asking or right. that they wouldn't possibly divulge. And he really, I felt like he confirmed a lot of stuff we had been thinking about the man, except we're not sure if he's 
Benzona est, you know, if right. he's fully human or not. No. But, yeah, we did. But that was cool. A lot of great stuff in that. I mean, I'm seriously looking forward to the finale now, even though I was looking forward to it anyhow, but yeah, more so now. Oh, oh, I, I'm a wreck. And, and it was, you know, and I kind of wondered if they were humanizing the man to incorporate him into team bite mark in season four. So now I'm really curious to see if he survives or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting. The whole fact that like, we kind of talked about that before, like, you know, the man really came a long way with Lucy from the first time he saw her. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the fact that everybody wants the same exact thing to save humanity. And they're all just going at it a totally different way. Right. Do it Which my way. Sense. No, do it my way. <laughs> it's such a human thing, too. I yes. mean, it just makes total sense. Yes. And I mean, you know, he knows Zona has laboratories and scientists and all that kind of stuff. And what does Warren have? One scientist with no lab. So, I mean, I can mm-hmm. I can see where he's thinking he's in the right. Right. Exactly. Doesn't mean I like it when he beats up my Addy, but, you know, I get it. Well, she just wouldn't listen to what he was saying. He said, stop doing it. And she kept coming. Yeah, but she's she's like me. I mean, she she had a mission to do. She would have. And then she goes and leaves a child on the side of the road by herself. I'm See? fine with that. <laughs> Anastasia explained that perfectly. The mom was only 30 yards away. It was fine. The girl shot the zombie in the head. I will defend Addie. Hey, the, hey, the man agrees I mean, with me. That's all I got right there. You and I are going to end up reenacting the battle of the man and Addie, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. But we just need, and, and I'll show up with tea and cookies and try and make you guys, you know, try and be the peacemaker here, make you guys sit down and talk. <laughs> it's like, we're all on the same side. We're all on the same team. I just want to record a podcast and you're doing it wrong. No, what do you, think you want to do too? Oh, yeah. Well, it'll be the whole conversation right there. I love there. you, Brad. You know that. I know. I love you too. Aww. That's why you're here. I Aww. know. Group hug. And he's, not, he's not like removing me from the podcast. Yeah, yeah I'm not hitting I, I didn't hit the hang up button. Clink. Uh-oh. There you <laughs> go. So we will be doing the episode review on Sunday. Yes. And if you got thoughts or comments on the season finale, be sure to get those into us. Uh, voicemail also, you want to do that, just get those in. And we will be talking about that for probably a while. We will also, and this is going to come out after our review of the podcast, I believe, we have the interview coming up with uh, Kalita Smith that we'll be doing. dun dun, dun. So all that on probably Monday of next week, because I don't know if I'll get it all done on Sunday or not. We'll have to see. It's exciting. Yes. Like very, I'm nervous and I'm excited all at the same time. Yeah. It's like, okay, is it Friday yet? (laughs) But yeah, I've got some rogue one to put in there in the middle. Yeah. (laughs) So we'll get that in there. So we can talk rogue one and uh, Z nation. (laughs) Uh, Spoiler. The death star gets blown up. Oh, they steal never the plans. Saw that one coming. <laughs> they steal the plans. They blow That's up the shocking. They add in a little uh, modification to the plans of the Death Star. Make a exhaust port right here. <laughs> never yeah. mind. The, the first in a long line of Death Stars <laughs> to be destroyed. Add another exhaust port. That's seriously, uh, yeah, they need to work on that one. Anyhow, yeah, get your stuff in for us, and we'll we'll play it on the podcast. All right. 
So, Susan? Definitely. And until then, we give you mercy. 